Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. We've partnered with Dataversity to provide listeners with 20% off your first training center purchase with promo code AlgmanDL. Go to dataleadershiptraining.com to learn more. Today on episode 77, we welcome Merit Khan. Merit is the CEO of Select Sales Development, author of Myth Shift, Challenging the Truths That Sabotage Success, and co-host of the Smarter Sales Show podcast. She is a certified emotional intelligence coach and a certified speaking professional. Since 1998, Merit has worked with salespeople, entrepreneurs, professionals, and sales teams, teaching them how to stop selling and start getting selected by their ideal clients. The Select Sales SWOT assessment has helped countless business owners know exactly where to begin to create long-lasting change and consistent growth. Merit, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So like we do with all our first-time guests, just take a few minutes and give us the kind of story arc of your career and how those earlier experiences you've had have, have led up to doing what you do now. Absolutely. I, uh, I grew up in a family of sales professionals. So real estate, advertising, cars, Avon, it was really never a question of what was Merit going to do with her life. It was really more a question of what is Merit going to sell? Um, and I started in the radio advertising business. I really enjoyed that. It was fun. It's a fun business to be in young and single in your 20s. And I quickly moved up the ranks. I became the youngest general sales manager for a big downtown Chicago radio station. And in that experience, I was hiring salespeople. Um, I was making difficult decisions about letting people, uh, making people available to the marketplace for other opportunities. And I had uh, brought in a sales training organization to work with our teams and teach us how to be a little bit more professional and a little less pushy. Uh, it was in that experience that I realized I really liked everything about training, coaching, developing people, and it wasn't really the specifics of the radio business that got me out of bed in the morning. And so when the radio station was being sold, I kind of looked around and I thought, do I want to just work at another radio station or might I enjoy being part of the training organization? And so I made that leap and really opened up my own business in 1998. Uh, first, I was learning somebody else's methodology and then I found the the chinks in the armor and I I really went out and I looked for some of the things that I thought would make a better, uh, more complete experience for training and coaching uh, entrepreneurs and professionals and people who probably wouldn't consider themselves salespeople. Um, those people know that they need sales training, but other people that, you know, engineers, architects, I, plumbers, um, I've worked with a lot of different people that didn't really want to be taught how to be pushy and aggressive. They wanted to learn how to have good conversations with people so that they could be selected um, for their best fit clients. And I developed a methodology and have been training that ever since. That's that's awesome. And and, and your your path here it, it is so familiar to me with folks that whatever the, the function is and, and certainly uh, sales and, and, and coaching in that space is, is a common one. But really any kind of consultant or thought leader or what have you, you, you kind of find your way through early career stages, learn what it is that you love to do and then find that path that represents that 
combination of the functional experience that you were gravitating to in your early career, along with some passion and, and kind of life's work that is, is compelling you from from the rest of that that completeness side of things and it, it's it's yeah. such a fascinating um endeavor but like to do this and have your own business since the the late 90s and, and to be doing this for so long and, and, and with so much success that's that's it's got to feel rewarding but it's also i i imagine you feel pretty lucky to have found this really early in your career like to know what your life's work is, is about is that a fair statement that is definitely a fair statement you know it's it's really interesting for my for my 50th birthday so i just out myself on my age there <laughs> Uh, which was a couple of years ago, I actually wrote a one-woman comedy show about the ups and downs of my life. And essentially, it was an opportunity to go back and mine my entire life for the stories, the people that shaped me, the lessons I learned, the the different things along the way. And really, if you look at it, it's it's really about the journey back to who I've always been. And I think all of us have that story, right? Like, you know, I was always the the one on stage trying to make people laugh, you know, coming up with new possibilities. And so I found ways to figure out how I could do that in a business sense. And it, even my hobbies are, you know, I do stand up comedy for a hobby. I mean, nobody does writes a one person show for fun. You know, it was like, but that's what I did because it was fun for me. And it really documented how the things that I'm doing today really started when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I, I, that, that really speaks to me. And, and though I am not one who was going to go write a one person show uh, uh, for fun, but I could, I can certainly appreciate that, that kind of passion. And I too, like, I feel like I was always being called to do what I'm doing now. And I feel like I was pretty lucky early in my career to realize like, yeah, I'm a data person. I build technology things and platforms and all that stuff. I've struggled a bit with context. I've done my own entrepreneurial thing. I've worked for other organizations and all of that. But where I've always known I'm at home is in talking and speaking and, and some of those kinds of things that I knew I wanted to do in some capacity, but couldn't, when I was younger, couldn't put my finger on what that capacity would be. Mm. And then I found myself in a career where I'm like, I know I'm a data person. I just don't know where I do data person stuff. And so like, for me, it's always been context and challenge and, and all of that. But I knew like, I even remember in high school, I was like, I want to be like, I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be somebody who's, who's understood to be a, an expert in their industry, but don't necessarily want to be like a household name or any ambition of like that but like i always had that sense and i'm like i don't even know what that means back then i'm like it was just kind of this idea and now i'm like oh i know exactly what that means now it means i'm a big nerd in the data space and people in the data space <laughs> listen to my podcast but nobody else on the street has any idea what in the heck i'm talking about and that's how i like it that's fine <laughs> well my job is to make what you do and data tell stories mm. that can bring people into action to influence them to do something or experience something in a new way that, you know, might turn into business. So I, uh, I am not wired with any data in, in me. So we are on the opposite side of the spectrum, but I appreciate data people because I learn from you what numbers I should be looking at. And, you know, I think especially in sales, you can't just be a people person and life of the party. It's not like that, especially today. Uh, you know, good top performing salespeople that aren't in tune to the data 
how to use data to inform their sales actions and behaviors and their strategy of, you know, their go to market strategy. They're really at a disadvantage in today's world. You really you can't ignore the data anymore. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of true in a number of contexts, whether it's operationally or whether it's it's just, you know, in, in where you're investing uh, capital in a strategic context. There's there's so many areas that, that data can be um, helpful and necessary just to remain competitive, let alone uh, to get ahead. Um, the whole world of sales just just fascinates me because as you were talking, I, I thought about I, I used to work for a company where we had a partnership with the software firm and there, I had an opportunity to work with some of the sales folks there. And what blew my mind is that the people that you think of that classical uh, salesperson, the always be closings and, and all of that, those people, those weren't the best salespeople. The, I will never forget the person who sold like a multiple of everybody else was the coolest, calmest, just best listener person that they had. And you're like, wait a second, this is the person who's selling X millions of dollars more than anybody else and people put together. And, and it gets me thinking, because like, I've never identified myself as, as a salesperson, even though I realize that I kind of am doing that constantly selling ideas or, or what have you. I really struggle with prospecting and trying mm. to find the the people to buy it but once i know somebody has a challenge that i can help solve then i'm super passionate about trying to help them solve that that challenge or, or that problem with what what i whatever i can do to help them whether it's my product or somebody else's i just want to help them but it's it's hard to get over that hump mentally of if you don't think of yourself as a salesperson is sales irrelevant to you because it I can't imagine it can't be. like we're all in sales, right? Like we all right. are at this point, I would think. Of course we all are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you want to, you know, you want to go to dinner at the restaurant you want to go to and your dining partner wants to go somewhere else, you're essentially mm -hmm. selling them on the idea of going where you want. Um, but <clears throat> I think about a lot of the professionals I've worked with over the course of my career, attorneys, for example, no attorney goes through law school to figure out. Uh, how to sell, how to be a salesperson. But essentially, if they want to get to the level of partner in a firm or starting their own firm, guess what? You got to get clients. Welcome to sales. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, sometimes I've, I've seen uh, workshops and invitations about, you know, sales is not a dirty word and all of this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to try to convince you that sales is not a bad thing. I, I'm better off just meeting you where you are, mm -hmm. not being in an argument about what you already think about the profession of sales or how it feels to you. But mm -hmm. if I can help a professional or an expert understand how to use their expertise in a way that has people uh, through your questions people understand you're credible expert as opposed to you shoving your expertise down someone's throat, which feels pushy and aggressive to both you and the person receiving that communication. So I try to really think about it from the perspective of um, it's not about acting as if you have all the right answers or solutions. It's about asking the questions so that you can determine if you're a good fit to work together. So mm -hmm. I, I'm always telling people, don't act as if, ask as if, right? Stop mm -hmm. acting like you've got the answer for everyone. 
start asking like you really want to match up the right solution. It's <laughs> that is identical advice to what I do with teaching consulting and helping people be good consultants. And they're not thinking about making a sale. They're just thinking about how do I help my client? It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. It's how do you put yourself in a place where you can help them? And in the context of sales, I mean, it, it's how business works. It's how things get done. It, and, and you can sell things for a fee or you can sell ideas for buy-in internally. Like, it doesn't matter what the context is. The fact is, is that if we don't do a acceptable job communicating and listening and connecting as partners, then right. we're going to miss out on an opportunity that cuts both ways. Like we miss out on that opportunity to better something. And it's not about me making money. It's about the both sides losing out on an opportunity. And I think that's, that's so important for us to, to recognize that. And, and this, you know, I make a joke about data people, right? Like we go into data. We, we are like many of us came from the technology side of the world. Right. And we're, you know, we went into technology cause we didn't want to have to talk to anybody. And we wanted to be able to like type on the keyboard and, and look at the screen and like get deep in thoughts and be in our cave and drink our coffee or Mountain Dew or whatever. Like that's a stereotype for sure that has some roots in reality, like no doubt. And I've had to break the bad news to folks at data conferences all the time. I'm like, hey, I know you went into data so you wouldn't have to talk to anybody. Sorry. We 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 gotta we gotta really sell this even more than we ever thought. So Yeah. Well, I work with a manufacturing uh, engineering company. Uh, I've worked with several in the course of my career and it's super fun to take engineers who are really super, I mean, smarter than I could ever hope to be in my lifetime. And, uh, and I don't know anything about bearings and shafting as an example, but I'm teaching a, a company how to, how to talk about their solutions with real people, because not all of their buyers are matching them in the terms of their engineering capabilities and, and savvy. So mm -hmm. they really have to understand how much expertise do I need to share that's not giving away everything so that you can't take all of my expertise and then go shopping for price, but to at least let you know, like, yeah, I do know what I'm talking about. I'm asking you questions. My expertise informs me and it leads me to the questions that are going to have you think deeper about your challenge than anyone else you might be talking to. And if I can do that, then I know I'm the one that you're thinking about. I'm the one that that you trust to solve the problem. And so I think the biggest mistake that experts make in the sales process is that they think all of their expertise is going to convince the other person that they're smart and they can solve the problem. It's actually the reverse. If you give away all of your expertise, you're going to overwhelm them. It's harder for them to make a decision. If you use your expert expertise to ask the best questions, make them think deeper, they are going to want more of that. And that's how a professional or an expert who does not want to be salesy and aggressive and pushy mm -hmm. can really capitalize on their expertise. 
Oh, that's such good advice. And because you think about like the people that overwhelm with every idea they have, and they, you just think of a presentation. We've all probably seen a presentation last week where we're like, "Oh, that person told us way more than we needed to know," and it it doesn't necessarily help their credibility at all. It just makes them, yeah, because you don't want to come off like you're the like you're trying to be the smartest person in the room either. Right. Like it, it's that's distasteful and is unnecessary in most circumstances. And, and really we're probably not in most rooms I go into, I'm like, I'm probably not anywhere near the smartest person in this room. And that's okay. Like my, my job here is to help the smartest people in the room to help everyone in the room be better at whatever it is that they do. If they can tap into whatever weird things that it is that I do, let them do that. But it it really isn't a, a it's not a scoring scenario like who cares who's right. smarter than what or what have you or what i know what what matters is how what do you need to thrive in in what your challenges are the rest of it's just noise and so if you can cut through it but speak, so so where i'm going with this and i've done a terrible job of getting me to where the question is that i want to ask you but the um cuz i think about a lot of that like to me that's like that's bread and butter consulting. That's just bread and butter, like human interaction, trying to help a situation and doing all that where I get lost personally is when like, I love being in that pre-sales call where we're, we're going through the challenges. We're trying to understand a situation. We're trying to scope out what a, a solution might be, but I really struggle with how do I turn that kind of productive question, answering rapport building communications into something where we can be like, we're doing this deal and we're doing this work together. Like that has always been that kind of mysterious journey that like I made a joke earlier about like always be closing, but like never be closing is also a very bad approach, right? <laughs> so how do you navigate something like that and, and make that actually happen? Yeah. So first of all, I would say, uh, you know, the, the old ABCs always be closing yeah, let's let's leave that in the past. Let's change it so the new ABCs of sales are authentic business conversations. Mm -hmm. That's what people really want. That's what we want to share. That's how we serve people best. That's what helps mm -hmm. them really select to do business with us. Mm -hmm. uh, to get to your very specific question, so you've had this great conversation with someone, you, you're comfortable in that dialogue, that sales dialogue. Then you get to the part where it's like, oh, now we've got to trans transition to, should we work together? So mm -hmm. I would suggest that in that, that's a, a great use case scenario for what I call the four magic words that transform sales. And if you're open to it, I will share those with you and give you a very good example of how you can put that into action right away. Does that sound good? Yes. Yes, please. Okay. Yes, please. So first of all, I already gave them to you. <laughs> I already gave them to you in my question. I, I snuck them in there. I like oh. to I like to be sneaky like that. And the so let me ask you this first. If I were to ask you, um, hey, Anthony, are you interested in hearing about all of my sales training offers? What might you what might a typical person say? Are you interested? Uh, uh, no, no, thanks. Uh, no, thanks. I, I'm not, I'm Just not looking, interested. Just in looking, not now. interested, yes. right? Thank you okay. for your message, but I am not interested at this time. Thank you, exactly. LinkedIn auto population. Yes. Exactly. Because there is mm. nothing, there's nothing personal about not being interested. It's removed from who you are. There's no impact right. on your identity. 
But there was a study done by Pepperdine University a number of years ago. They asked people, how, um, do you consider yourself to be more open-minded than the average person? And 95% of people rated themselves as more open-minded than the average, which I don't know about you, but when, when I learned math, granted this was old math, not new math, maybe it's different now, but 95% of us can't be better than the average. So if we collectively as human beings want to see ourselves as being open-minded people, it's very hard to say, no, I'm not open to hearing more about what you do. So the magic words are, are you open to? And then follow it up with whatever you want. Um, but so is in your example, you've had this great dialogue with somebody. Mm -hmm. I would say exactly this. Based on what you've shared with me, it seems like we would be a good match to do some business together. Are you open to having a conversation about what that might look like? And now you've got, it's it's like, based on what you're saying, you know, because we had this great conversation, I understand your problems, you know you've got a solution, you know, but are you open to hearing and, and talking about how we might work together gets you right to the part of the sales process where you can talk about budget, decision-making process, you know, expectations, et cetera. I, that makes a lot of sense. And for those of you who are, are just listening to this and are not watching this on, on YouTube, um, Merritt literally has this written on a pillow behind her. <laughs> it says, are you open to it? So I, it, it, this is obviously core. But what I like about this is that it it helps propel the conversation. It, starts, it provides some direction, but it also does so in an innocuous way and in a collaborative way. And it's like, hey, this is where we want this to go. This is what we need, uh, what I want us to talk about. But... I'm not going to try to force that situation. I'm not going to try to make this situation uncomfortable. And and I think that's it's, it's a brilliant linguistic strategy, but it's also an inherently honest one, because what you're trying to do is open that door to exploring this particular topic without making it something where, like, if you're not open to that, that's fine. We can continue to have our, our conversation that that is useful for whatever that is. But I, I really think that that's something that resonates and even though you you not, didn't trick me but you used that exact thing to bring up the subject mm -hmm. i look at that and i'm like that was great that was exactly what we wanted to do and it was an easy yes and those are all things that we want to do because i think about this right now like most of my job i you know i have a day job i don't need to go sell i'm not selling consulting i'm not selling you know most things in a traditional entrepreneurial capacity but I am selling a lot of ideas and I'm trying to synthesize a lot of things that I think I have a good idea, but I don't always know if I have the right answer or not. Why does a salesperson think that they have a right answer for everything? They don't. Let's let's do this collaboratively. Let's explore. Let's consider it. But let's not assume that, you know, because I have the nails, you know, that everything's a hammer or, or like right. whatever that is, is... um you know, a foregone conclusion. And, and I appreciate that because it, it, it indicates, hey, we're open to exploring this, but we're not going to presuppose that we already have the answer. Right. And I, I think that um, the most important lesson that I've learned along the way, and, and I've learned many uh, in, in my 20 plus years of doing this, but 
you know, you could be the most polished, perfect salesperson with the best offer that's a complete and total match, and and none of it really matters if your prospect isn't open to hearing about it. So really the first step to a closed sale is always an open mind. And the reason I have the the pillow in my background is because I'm on video meetings all day long these days. And so it's not just a message for the person that I'm speaking to, to remind them sort of subliminally to be open to what I have to say, but it also like, I'm staring at my own video screen all day long, right? So all day, every day, it's a reminder to me to be open to the ideas and the opportunities that other people are bringing to me to really be open to listen to the the interview questions, to not not have my automatic conditioned response, but to really be thoughtful and and bring the right and actually trust, you know, trust my my background, my experience uh, to to come up with the right answer the right solution in that in that moment. Um, but I, I really do think that, you know, all of the sales training, coaching, consulting in the world, all of the data stuff in the world doesn't land unless you invite your your prospect to be open to hearing what you have to say. And that's why I think those words are are so transformative and something that I wish, frankly, that I had learned much earlier in my career because there were countless times as a young professional that I really thought I was going to sell because of my energy or my enthusiasm or my dimples at one time, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm adorable. They'll, they'll love me. And yeah, that was not, that's not a great sales strategy. It's uh, probably not a, not something you really want to, you know, hang your brand reputation on. I don't know. It works pretty well for my daughters. They oh, get whatever well, they want go. out of me, but that's a unique situation, I guess. And that, <laughs> well, uh, it only gets them so far. So, but I, I, I hear what you say and, and it gets me thinking too. And, and, you know, one of the things that I find most rewarding in my career right now is doing this podcast, doing the, the data leadership lessons podcast. And, and I find myself often thinking about like, okay, you know, we've done, this is our 77th episode, right? I've done, I've talked to a lot of people, many of, most of whom I didn't know before we did the podcast. And you, you like anything, you, you look at your schedule for a day and you have meetings or, or whatever. And I, and I have a podcast recording coming up and I'm like, I'm like, boy, I'm worried about this podcast recording this guest. I just don't know if they're going to, they're going to fit our, our model. And, and this is going to go sideways or whatever. Not, not you like sales trade. Oh. Like this is our bread, but like this is <laughs> our, our good stuff. But, but it's, but I think about that sometimes and I'm like, I learned as, as I, as I've had an open mind to the different guests and I'm like, it's the guests that I expect the least from, or that I think are not going to be good content. Blow me away every time. It's so amazing to learn their stories because they're unpredictable, because I don't know where they're coming from, because, you know, they'll just happen to be the most open and transparent story. Like, it blows my mind. And I feel so lucky to sit, in this case, on the other side of the screen, but to have these opportunities to see that passion that people have in their own particular areas 
It mm. is just amazing. And so when we approach it from that perspective, same deal, right? You're, I'm approaching just creating some thought leadership type content, some podcasts for somebody to listen to while they're jogging or driving to work or mowing their lawn. Although seriously, if you're listening to this podcast while mowing your lawn, stop doing that. It's going to hurt your ears. I don't understand how people listen to podcasts when they're mowing lawns, but hey, I hear they do that. <laughs> Go inside. Relax. Although, if you're a 15-year-old listening to this podcast, I applaud your commitment to your future career. Give me a call because we, <laughs> we have a position for you somewhere. Um, but it's uh, no, but seriously, it's it's fascinating how I, I think about these things, and and we all have different areas of focus, but some of these common threads come back up, but I, I rarely hear it put as elegantly. And as succinctly as this, are you open to consideration? Because the, the uh, applicability of that is everywhere. I think it's a really great lesson. And I promise I'm working that into the title of this episode somehow. I don't know how yet, but that's going into the the, the episode title for sure. Well, don't give so, it away in the title. Let them, let them make maybe, them listen maybe, to it. Maybe the, the four magic words. <laughs> oh, there we go. Four magic words. Well, now you know the four magic words, everyone, if that turns out to be what the title is. And, and so you're a little bit on the inside of how the the sausage is made of of creating a podcast episode with the title but yes we will find we will find something that ties that in because it really it it clearly underlies a lot so clearly i mean that that's that's foundational to what you do in the kinds of training that you do but you've created an entire methodology around this and and an entire business around this how have you managed to scale this and connect and, and and kind of keep yourself challenged in this for as long as you have, because I have to imagine it's not simple even today. Like there's, there's things that are changing. Could you tell us a little bit about what that, that journey has been like? Yeah, I think I've, I've done many iterations of my business model. So uh, there were times when I had a training center and people would come to my training center every week mm. and learn the next piece of the sales process. And that, that kind of model. And then, I, you know, in the pandemic, actually right before the pandemic, I was really, my business was focused on more about uh, speaking at large conferences, doing opening keynotes, opening people's minds with an opening keynote that really transformed the way that they heard the rest of the content that was part of the conference. And that was a lot of fun until the world shut down. And then I thought, oh, maybe, maybe might be time to try the virtual model, right? So then it was, you know, um, teaching the same principles, but doing it, bringing entrepreneurs and companies together and online communities and, and facilitating programs that way. So I think being open to the fact that I have this methodology, it's proven to be effective across a myriad of industries, dots, lots of different kinds of people, different levels of experience. And so it's been, it's kept it fresh for me, learning new ways to deliver it, right? It's a different way of it's a different delivery style from a, a training room with 25 people versus a keynote stage with a thousand people versus an online course with, you know, people being distracted, doing other things while they're taking you in on the side. You know, there's lots of different things that have kept it fresh for me. I think the core piece of the puzzle has always been my drive to help people um, expand on what they think is possible. And what I realized, you know, back in the early days, like I went to a Tony Robbins seminar and I'm like, I want to be the, the very short female version of Tony Robbins. And, you know, 
that sounds great, but what do you have to say? Why, why are people going to listen to you? And so really that honing that message over time and getting clear about not just the idea of helping people see more as possible, but giving them the tactics and the practices to access that. And I think it really all came together when the the company really, we created um, what we call the open for business framework. And, you know, when you think about it, especially coming out of a time when businesses were literally closed, mm-hmm. like we, you know, what it, it really made me look with fresh set of eyes as to what does it mean to be open for business? Because it's so much more than being able to transact business, like you have open office hours. Well, that's you're available to do business, but it's different than being open for business. Being open for business really is an action and an attitude, right? It's it's about being in motion, but it's also about the mindset that you bring to your work um, while you are open for transactions. And so we really you know, distilled this framework into three main components. I think it's important to be, you know, in terms of being successful in anything that you do, it's as important as for a data person as it is for a a people-oriented person. And those three components are mindset, which is what you think, mechanics of what you do, like what, what you say, and motion, what you do. And so those three pieces of the puzzle allow us to work with our clients and companies and, you know, events, speaking events to, to meet people where they are in those three areas and then bring them along to seeing the next level of possibility in the area that's going to make the biggest difference for them in the shortest amount of time. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> it's it's a lot, and it, it it gets the wheels turning, and so that I'm like, okay, I have sixty questions I want to ask, oh, and I'm trying to figure right. out which one I want to ask first. <laughs> the the I'll, I'll I'll just ask you. So, like, obviously, it's been a weird time over the last couple of years with the pandemic, and and we're now at a stage where hopefully things are getting back to some sort of new normal. But I imagine while the fundamentals of this work really hasn't changed substantially. I imagine some of those mechanics or some of the way sales and the the interpersonal relationships of, of business uh, actually transact yes. had to evolve with the pandemic, but are going to evolve to something else. Not what we had pre-pandemic, but are going to evolve somewhere. And, and that's an area I'm curious your thoughts on like, what do you see the next couple of years looking like? And how does that contrast to what the couple of years before the pandemic really looked like? That is, I love that question so much. So I have spent a lot of time thinking about this and, you know, it's hard enough when, when we're faced with so many choices, it's, there's a lot of data and psychology to the fact that, you know, it, it's really hard for us to make a choice, right? All the different toothpaste on the shelf and you're just like, fine, I'll take Crest again. Like it's, it's overwhelming. And so when you think about the level of change that we've all been just immediately overnight thrust into and the uncertainty that is born out of that about future and other changes that might just, you know, like there won't be a day when I will, if right now I've had a home office since 1998, I enjoy working like that. But if I, I imagine that people who go to work 
um, in an in an office outside their home, probably if they've been through the COVID experience, where all of that, all of a sudden they weren't allowed back in the office the next day, and it ended up being two years later, they're probably never going to leave that office again without like that double check of well. I should probably bring everything I might need home because you don't know when you're going to be locked out of your office again, right? So there's there's just a there's new ways of thinking that we couldn't have imagined previous. So in the future, we we will be still operating in a sea of uncertainty and that's going to I'm not sure when that's changed. I'm I'm not a futurist. I just feel like we need to be prepared. So one example that I talk about um, what I think people really need to focus on more than anything right now is their emotional mindset. Hmm. So when I talk about mindset mechanics motion, 20 years ago, I was pretty much just focused on here's what to say and here's your action plan. Like, let's just work on those two things and you'll sell more. Hmm. Nowadays, you really need to understand that foundation that you are layering all of that mechanics and action plans on top of. So if there's gaps in that foundation, then all of the things you learn are going to kind of fall through those gaps instead of being right there when you need them to use. So I could teach you a good thing to say, but if fundamentally you are feeling a little bit uncertain about it, you're not going to use it. So let me just, I know I'm talking a lot, but let me give you one other one example of what we learned in this pandemic and particularly in sales interactions. So one of the things that I measure when I, when I'm working on emotional mindset with my clients is their level of empathy and their level of assertiveness. Hmm. So let's pretend we're, you know, we were all in the same boat. If you're a high empathy, low assertiveness type of person, then you're going to reach out to your clients. You're definitely not going to prospect right now, you know, when everything like right with the beginning of the pandemic as an example, but right. you might reach out to people and go, Oh my God, are you okay? You know, I just wanted to check in. And even if you had the perfect solution that would help them in that challenging time, you probably wouldn't offer it being low assertiveness because you're so focused on empathy. Now, if you reverse it and you're high assertiveness and low empathy, you're making a calls because you got a quota of your own. You don't care what anybody is dealing with. You're on your mission and you're going to sell your stuff. And you're a total jerk and you're completely in an argument with reality about what people are dealing with and you're not going to close any business. So that's that. What you really want is balance. So you want it. So what it actually sounds like, and I'll use the magic words to so listen for them. I would call you know somebody and say, how are you? Tell me what's going on in your world, blah, 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 blah. Let have a dialogue about that. Listen, if you're open to it with all the changes going on, all the things we can't control, are you open to having a conversation about one thing that I think we actually could help you with that might minimize some of the stress you're dealing with right now? And that is the perfect storm, the perfect scenario of empathy balanced with assertiveness and really being able to further your uh, your agenda of you know doing more business, but serving people and allowing them to select you because it's an appropriate offer. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it gets me thinking too about this parallel with that 
approach in a, in a high emotion. I mean, the, the emotional intelligence side of what you do is fascinating to me as well. Cause I think as a manager, as a leader in my organization, I, the emotional intelligence aspects of what I do right now are pegged. Like I have to be so like thinking several moves ahead just to understand the situations because everybody's life is more complex now, it seems than it, than it ever was. And, and we all feel it personally, but it's easy to forget that, Hey, Oh, everybody's going through this kind of stuff right now. Um, but what I, what I like about, you know, the way the, you know, are you open to and, and how you're having those conversations with folks at those, those uh, challenging times is that it, is the same scenario as like when we have too much choice. We were just talking about that a few minutes ago. It's like when you have all the choices in the world, it becomes a different kind of immobility versus having no choice. And, and neither one is, is easy. So if I have a, a guide who can help me through a trying time by narrowing some of those choices just to give me a little bit of extra help and direction, that's hugely valuable. Even if it doesn't lead to a sale right now, it can help me through this time by even just having that empathy, having that ear, having that, that advice. And that builds the rapport and that and then it's genuinely helpful at the same time. This is not sales is not about trying to take advantage of a situation. It's about a mutually beneficial partnership that leads to something productive. And that exactly. I think it, it's really especially in the times of the pandemic, I think that having you know, assertiveness is not bad inherently. It right. is something that is necessary to propel action. Well, it's not aggressive, right? Assertive right. is, you know, you're standing in your in your power, you believe in your offers, and so you're going to speak up. But it, mm -hmm. it's you're going to do that in a manner that's respectful to the person that you're talking to. Absolutely, and and I'm, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, I could go for another forty minutes. This is like I want to keep talking to you about all of this stuff, but I know we're at, at about time. So I'll I'll turn it back to you. Is there anything that we didn't cover in our conversation today that that you're like, you know, this would really help complete this conversation, or that the the audience out there would really benefit from knowing, or that you'd like to just reinforce from something that we talked about already? Um, well, thanks for that opportunity. I I feel like uh, one of the things that people really appreciate after they hear me at a podcast or they hear me at a conference, you know, event or something like that is they're intrigued about like, well, wh which of those areas that mindset mechanics motion really is going to be the one for me. And mm -hmm. so I, our team put together what we call our SWOT analysis, which is, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, but we're just really looking at, what are the the what's the best entry point for you? So we've come up with a, a series of questions, and based on how you answer those questions, we can give you some good direction, whether you work with us or not, some direction in which of those pieces of the puzzle really would be a good starting point. And so I'm I'm happy to invite your listeners to take advantage of that. Um, it's it's always a little um, scary when I say this because I don't know how active your listeners are, but I actually personally, our team goes through each one of those response, each one of those reports mm -hmm. that we get in. It's not a boilerplate, you know, like automated thing. We really look at how you answered the questions and then we send you a video that is very specific to what you said and then if you want to talk to us more great but if not our goal is to just really help people with this analysis so 
to find it, go to MeritCon.com forward slash podcast. And there you can get some information about um, the Open for Business framework, but there's a link there to take that the, the SWAT online. And I will be more than happy to, you know, go review it and give you some honest feedback. So that's that's a wonderful offer. And, and on behalf of the audience, thank you so much for, for doing that. That That's great. And and thank you for being on the show today. This has been enlightening and, and enjoyable. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. So and thank you all out there for for joining us today. As always, you'll find more information and links about our guests in, in, in the show notes. We'll have everything covered for you. Uh, go to DataLeadershipLessons.com to subscribe and check out past episodes and accelerate your journey with training at DataLeadershipTraining.com. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. 